0: So, Evan, we're here today to talk about Season 1, Episode 3 of Be Cool, Scooby-Doo. Now, before I got into this episode, I understood it was a supposedly fun thing. My question to you is if it's something you would do again.
1: Wait, if reviewing this episode was something we, I would do again? Or
0: or watching it. Reviewing or watching. I'll take either one at this point. It's a supposedly fun thing. Would you do it again? I, Go on this Scooby cruise? I guess, Yeah. Nice. That was a solid bit based on David Foster Wallace's essay, A Supposedly Fun Thing I'll Never Do Again, about being on a cruise ship, which is all I can think of anytime cruise ships are introduced in any media, because I need to remind people that I know who David Foster Wallace is, and I've read at least one of his works. When you say at least one, do you mean one? Okay, Evan, we're moving past this. The joke is over. (laughs) Hey, I also own Infinite Jest. Have you not read it? Dude, I own it. Why do Luke, I need to read it? I've read, I have read it. Everyone has read it. I actually have read... Not, not everyone has read it. I, I actually have read Infinite Jest, but I try and keep that under my hat. And I've
1: actually never read a word of David Foster Wallace. Really? Yeah. You know, I have
0: to say, Infinite Jest, take it or leave it, it's its own thing, but he writes amazing essays. And one of them was about being on a cruise ship, and how it was a supposedly fun thing, everyone loves cruise ships, that he would never do again because it was actually miserable. And uh, that's all I can think. Anytime I see a cruise ship, it's like this seems so glamorous, but would it be terrible? David well, Foster Wallace says so, and he's very smart.
1: Whenever I think about cruise ships, I think about my cousin telling me about his experience, which is that I don't he know would, if I've heard this. Well, yeah, what was that? Uh, he would just drink with people until the late hours, or into the early hours of the morning. Uh, crash, and then he would wake up, and then in the morning he would work out and like hit the um like the steam room or the sauna, and mm. all and like get all the toxins out of his body in preparation for the evening in which he would do it all over again.
0: My goodness. That, I don't know how the, mm, the algebra worked out there, if he came out ahead as a net or behind, but if he came out ahead, that sounds pretty amazing, that you could drink every night, work out every morning, and maybe come out of that in Adonis.
1: I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna comment
0: about what he looks like now. Okay, well, Evan, let's, <laughs> let, us let us bring it back to basics. Would you ever go on a cruise... Second question, would you ever go on a cruise with me? I'd go, yeah. I would
1: love to go on a cruise with you, man.
0: I think that would be a blast, especially, like, I don't drink, really, almost at all, but I would drink with you, and on a cruise, that'd be a great way to meet some friends. Do we talk about what we're covering? Do we talk about
1: who we are? Very,
0: very, no, no, we haven't. We haven't talked about any of this. Anyways, thanks for joining us. Here's the episode. I'm kidding. We're the Scooby Dudes. We're two best friends here to talk about our favorite meddling kids.
1: And their dumb dog, too, and this episode... I think you uh, intimated earlier we are doing Season 1, Episode 3 of Be Cool, Scooby-Doo.
0: All paws on deck is the episode. And, uh, by the way, my name is Luke. That, my oh, that name over is there. Evan. Evan. So let's
1: get our paws on this deck and oh. let's start the episode. Yeah,
0: Ooh, I'm going to get my paws all over that deck. Show me that deck, boy. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, I need your help. My paws I can't get it that enough. zipper. <laughs> I mean, you got one of those tough jean buttons that's, like, really in there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm in now. I got my paws all over that deck. All right.
1: I sure hope that you cut this. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have to. <laughs> all right. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady. Mm, this show is for ladies, too.
0: If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doo. Welcome back to the episode. We're doing, again, all pause on deck, an episode of Be Cool Scooby-Doo. I feel like, should we have a word on what Be Cool Scooby-Doo is and potentially how we feel about it?
1: Uh, Sure, I think we've said every time we've covered this, and we've done it two and I would say a half times, Mm because one time we did it on a a guest uh, podcast. We did it on Mike Jozik's, yeah. But Be Cool Scooby-Doo is why Scooby-Doo exists.
0: Yeah, we we started checking out this uh, this series, Be Cool Scooby-Doo, and it was too cool not to talk to each other about it at length and then to go compare it to other Scooby-Doo series. So this is the Scooby-Doo series that prompted our podcast. And uh, I just want to make a couple of notes that since we've last covered this, we've had some cool developments with the producers of Be Cool Scooby-Doo. I mean, uh, we've been in touch with uh, Johnny Colty Berry, the uh, the mastermind and creator behind this, and uh, I, we've also learned a little bit about Zach Moncrief, uh, JCB's personal assistant, I believe, who may have also had a okay,
1: sl- all right. He may have also had a slight hand in the creation of this series. One thing that you may be familiar, if you spend any time on the internet, is that Be Cool, Scooby Doo was uh, was kind of thrown. Oh, I was gonna make kind of like a like a recently birthed, and then something bad happens, kind of out uh, al- um allegory comparison they're all bad they're all very dicey uh, dead on arrival I, I don't How know about if that s- to a oh. lot of people the show is dead on arrival because the art style was very um, and people say this apparently JCB um Jonathan Colton Barry disagrees a little bit I think there's some credence to the idea that it is it is looks somewhat Family Guy-esque but only somewhat only slightly and I think the Family
0: Guy-esque Character designs are completely negated by the way more fluid, full animation. I mean, Family Guy is stiff and kind of cheap-looking. I've enjoyed Family Guy at points in my life. I'm not, this isn't a Dig at Family Guy. But to say that Be Cool Scooby-Doo is a fully realized animated series that is not cutting corners. It's just trying to express its comedy
1: through its animation, and that's the style. And allow me to say one more thing before we start. Um, this is a Dig at Family Guy. Family Guy sucks. <laughs> Ouch, but but I mean you love American Dad, right, Evan? I don't watch. I I've never seen American Dad. The
0: Cleveland Show, at least, my friend. Come on. I watched all <laughs> I of the best Cleveland. Of, show. Really? Oh gosh. I do not care for the Cleveland. I mean, at this stage, I don't care for any of the whatever. Uh, I do want to throw a little bit more onto the uh, the tough break that or lack of break, that Be Cool got to say that it never really got the airtime it deserved. Part of the reason I think it's been dead on arrival is that they, the, it didn't get the support it deserved uh, to air with people's interest. For instance, I don't think either of us have ever caught an episode of this on live television, but Ipti Sam's parents, my wife's parents, were in Turkey, and caught an episode of Be Cool Scooby Doo on television. I just forwarded you an email of a clip that they recorded.
1: Uh, Please watch it. (laughs) This is so funny. I did not expect- I know you said that they saw this in Turkey. But you didn't expect it to be in Turkish? The second that the gang opens their mouth, it's all just like... (laughs) (laughs)
0: And that is how Turkish people sound, funny enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Do you
0: know that every year the President of the United States spares the life of one Turkish citizen? (laughs) On Thanksgiving. You know what, given
1: who the President is, I do believe that.
0: I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think he's going to want to see the chop.
1: Oh my <laughs> did goodness! did we just get
0: political? I oh, love another email. Um, but all that to say, Be Cool never got the shake it deserved. I freaking love this series. I think everyone ought to go check it out. Especially this episode, I thought was a great, great episode of Scooby-Doo. So, yeah, let's, um, let's start this recap. Yeah, let's get into it. All paws on deck.
1: Kind of sounds, especially given the intro, like we're gonna be on the high seas. The way that Be Cool Scooby-Doo um, has started, at least up until this point, this is only the third episode, we don't start with the gang. The cold open is like randos. Uh, civilians and then the monster attacks. That sort of seems to be the trend. It is, and funny, they always
0: get a good couple of jokes in on the intro,
1: even without the gang. That's part of what I admire
0: about this show. I
1: actually I've, I, am very excited. Whenever I see just like these normal people, I'm just like, ooh, like they're going to be uh, really interesting characters.
0: They, they always, that's the thing, is they're throwaways. We never see almost any of these intro people again and they're so well-lived in. There's so much color and life in them. Uh, so, we'll open up
1: under the sea. Under the sea. We're open up under the sea. Uh, and um, it is, uh, it is a I guess, a, it looks like a tour. Uh, it's not explicitly that it's a cruise at this point, but there are th- there are three divers. They look to be a family, and then a fourth diver who looks to be, like, their guide. How... is there any point of comparison we can give to talk about how ripped these
0: people are? Like, because they're pretty skinny. That's just the character designs of Be Cool Scooby-Doo. But like, I don't know. Say, say the sea demons. How ripped are they compared to the sea demons? Weren't they the sea devils? Oh, sea devils. You're right. It's the sea devils.
1: You know, the further away we get from that episode, I feel like the less chance that our listeners will know what we're talking about. The less chance that I will
0: remember what we were talking about. But whatever the case, it's a family. It's a guide in a red outfit. They're diving underground. There's so much treasure on the bottom of the ocean. This is kind of titillating for me. I love the idea of uh, of undiscovered, under-the-sea tre- treasure.
1: Uh, sorry, just um, cut this out, please. One sec. Oh, you're good. I know, but sometimes I tell you to cut things out and you don't do it. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, if this could be a funny moment, then yeah, it's definitely going to okay. stay in. All right, um, it's becoming a funny moment. Stop! <laughs> on. Stop. Stop. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, what were you saying? Um, I di- we When we open up, we see all this treasure on the bottom of the sea, and that is kind of exciting for me. I love the idea of very tre- I mean, that's something I think kids enjoy in cartoons, is the idea of this valuable un- undiscovered treasure, and this episode is loaded with it. And the reason is that it's almost like a nature preserve for treasure.
1: Yeah, it's... Another another very unwieldy comparison. It's kind of like a like an elephant graveyard, but for treasure.
0: <laughs> there are a lot of hyenas down there, led by Scar, brother of Mufasa.
1: But there is there are there is treasure, um, valuables just scattered across the ocean floor. Um, there, so it it is a young, it's a teenage girl and her family. I do want to make a note of this because I caught it on the wiki. Really, what? This young girl's name. Her name is Hazeltine. What? Yeah. That's not a real name.
0: It's. It sounds like a, like a, a spinoff of Ovaltine. Yeah, Hazeltine. it sounds like a, a
1: chocolatey-ish <laughs> beverage. <laughs> Did you like Ovaltine? Try our Hazeltine. Hazeltine is like, is is Ovaltine for girls, is what it sounds like. Oh,
0: that's. this is like the Doritos made for girls. Now we have Hazeltine. It won't get your fingers all ovally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that's a great little catch. And also, there's some great voice acting in this episode, I'll mention when we get to it. But just for the beginning of the intro, the the, uh, the message that we're give, the family is given and we as the audience are given is don't touch anything on the ocean floor. Um, it's all protected by uh, laws, potentially, and maybe something supernatural. Nevertheless, Hazeltine does grab a ruby that's very reminiscent, both in how the ruby looks and in the moment. Uh, it, it's Aladdin, right? She's,
1: she's, she's Abu in the Cave of Wonders. Abu
0: in the Cave of Wonders. Everything but the wide eyes and like the melting in the hands.
1: Um, yeah, it's uh... so she grabs it, and of course, um, at that point the monster shows up. And I will say we talked about the art style a little bit uh, at the outset. I don't love the monster design.
0: Yeah, the monster. Uh, well, I, I will say the monster design is very reminiscent of the Beast of the Bottom, the Beast of Bottomus Lake, um, from my much earlier episode of Scooby Doo. Did you get that from the wiki? Also from the wiki, hundred percent. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't really agree. I don't think no? they really look that similar. Oh, dude! I think I gotta
1: say the wiki. The Scooby-Doo wiki has a lot of problems, but this is not one of them, I don't think. Can we talk about, while, while we're talking about this, I, I did make a note here about sort of the editorializing that sometimes appears on that site, um, yeah. because Hazeltine's uh, personality is described as, in, in these exact words, um, perhaps in part due to being a teenager, she has not much respect for authority.
0: Oh, this is a father! Now we know that the editor of the wiki page is a father! Of a teen
1: girl. I was gonna say, like, a, a bitter, childless, old...
0: Ooh, or p- that. ...person. There's... There isn't joy of... there. There's no familial joy coming through this Wikia page. My note on the Wikipedia page is that under Notes Trivia, there was the need to say that the title, All Paws on Deck, is a play on All
1: Hands on Deck. Thanks. This is off-topic. Uh... Did did I ever tell you about how uh, that guy Demi Adejuigbe Adej- Adej- he did um, that that parody Han Solo that fake Han Solo rap? Uh you might have mentioned that. Although I have to admit, I never followed up. I'm sorry. So like um yeah, Donald Glover is playing Han Solo or is playing Lando Calrissian. Mm. So not sorry, not a Han Solo rap, a Lando rap. Oh, okay, and, and ac- so uh, mm. he he posted it on Twitter, and he's all like, oh like I I got this like this leaked footage. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, very, like, professionally done, and it sounds like Camp Era, Camp is the name of an album, Camp Era Childish Gambino, and mm. it, the, and it's very funny, and because there are two references to Asian girls, like, obviously fake, like a parody, um, and the reason I bring this up is because that song was put on Genius.com, formerly Rap Genius, mm. you, you know, like, what that is Ah, oh, come on man okay yeah. so uh rap genius was a site that would basically explain rap lyrics
0: oh rap what's rap uh, uh it stands I'm okay
1: uh <laughs> you sorry. know um rhythm we, and poetry we we've now hit the point where i do understand so yeah genius.com is for lyrics like explaining lyrics and so that song was was put onto genius.com and so he's sort of like uh he's like um he has, like, the little, like, blue check mark, you know, because he, like, wrote the song. So he was sort of, like, filling in some of the, the annotations. And at one point, he was like, at what point is explaining puns just talking down to people?
0: <laughs> I, be, I mean, at every point. If you explain it, your pun, if it's your pun and you explain it in the slightest, that's talking down to people. But it's weird that he's holding these dual roles as creator of the song and
1: explainer of the song on two different platforms. Yeah, yeah. it's so funny scrolling down, and, and uh, yeah, one of the annotations is just like, uh, yeah, you know, like, blank is like a blank, and he's like, am I, like, this, I, this feels... I will say, that's like the I'm... mark
0: of a patently terrible writer, someone who, who creates a body of work and then needs to amend and footnote it aggressively to, like, really stretch the work out a lot. No, no writer who I admire and own a book like Infinite Jest of would ever do that.
1: David Foster Wallace joke. Basically, this the sea monster looks like a fish monster. Is that is that enough to say I mean, it I looks see, like a fish monster?
0: Uh,
1: anthropomorphic lizard fish? It's
0: got that like fin that runs all the way down, like a mohawk fin that runs down the back. It's kind of got a long tail. Other than that, it's more or less a dude. It's got arms and legs and giant glowing eyes. Maybe a what, what's the mouth of like the thing that.
1: I was gonna say it's somewhat like the creature from the Black Lagoon, but more fish, but more fishy, more explicitly fishy.
0: The fact that you compare it to the creature of the Black Lagoon and you decry comparing it to the beast of the bottomless lake is really not fair. I have to say, <laughs> so it looks so much like the beast of the bottomless lake. I, uh, I I do think that's an, an apt comparison, but listeners, you're just gonna have to decide for yourself.
1: I will also say that the um, the guide that they had, the diving guide, did tell them that the stuff that was dumped was considered an offering, but that isn't elaborated on. The monster shows up, and then the credits, the opening credits roll. Da, da, da.
0: There's two parts that 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 da, da, da makes me think of. One is Daphne underneath the spider going like side to side. Is the other one with them in the mystery doing machine? This. The other one is them in the mystery machine doing the head bop side to side. I love that. And then we're we're into the episode. So let me see, twenty minutes into this episode and we've covered
1: what, uh, thirty seconds? We're on track. So the gang is is um they're on deck. They are coming up to a cruise ship. The cruise ship is called the SS Casey.
0: Mm, A great play on uh, Casey Kasem's name, who passed away just a little over one year before this episode aired. He was the original voice of uh, Shaggy Rogers. Now voiced by Matthew Lillard. By the way, I just found out Matthew Lillard is in the new, the Twin Peaks uh, return. Sorry,
1: just had to mention it. It just (laughs) occurred to me I read that in a review. I was like,
0: oh, by the way. I know something! Hey, I know something!
1: Uh, so this this ship to SSKC it belongs to Fred's cousin, Scott. Mm. Uh, and then we get a little bit of a rundown. We find out that Velma is afraid of water. We find out that dolphins hate Daphne. And Daphne does not tell us what that grudge
0: match came from. Um, and we also get reminded that Fred is not afraid of water or
1: heights, but widths. It's a really great callback to the first episode, Mystery 101, which you should listen to. I believe that's episode 18 of ours. Good callback. It's it's nice because it it well not implies but it's a it's a direct indicator that there's some continuity on this show mm. that stuff happens and it's remembered by the characters which I think is great.
0: I think it's great and I think it works really well, especially when Fred's trying to tell. Uh, he's kind of empathizing with Velma a little bit, like, "Hey, water's not scary, but the ocean is very
1: wide." I get that. I get that. That's scary. And that, uh, Velma refuses to let her phobia be compared in any way to his. No. <laughs>
0: It's, it is a little bit of a weird phobia for Velma because she's such an explorer, she's such a, uh, su- such a
1: rational person who's not typically afraid of the yeah. unknown. Well, I think that her phobia, and we'll, we'll get into this, is, is founded in, in rationality, or based mm-hmm. in rationality. Um, when they get on board, there's what I dubbed a bag lady. Which I feel kind of bad about, that's not not a very polite
0: term. Looks like a street person bag lady. Which is not, uh, yeah, uh, not a flattering term, but is a term that refers to something specific that we see on this episode.
1: She's wearing, uh, kind of like layers of what looks like very grimy, dirty clothing. She's wearing, like, large boots, no socks. And then, I I, I will say, um, I wrote here that she almost looks like uh, an ugly American's character. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh, she looks like an Adult Swim character. I'm not even going to say Ugly Americans. I'm going to go one step further into nasty territory and say a show that just came back on air, Mr. Pickles.
1: Oh, I've, I've not seen that.
0: That is a show I really enjoy. I will not recommend it. I do not recommend Mr. Pickles to our listeners. Check, look it up first, read on it before you watch it. But everyone in that show is depicted as the most disgusting, like, unnerving
1: uh kind of look they can. It's weird that she's like I feel like she's just shy of fitting the art style of the entire show. Like she's just awful. She's
0: bit. a little bit too I see why they did this. There's a good reason for it later on, but it's a little odd in this moment. Captain Scott McDoon is Fred's cousin and the reason that they're on here uh if I can cite the uh the Wikia page, the heavily, thirsty, hot under the collar Wikia page. Scott is a tall, fit Caucasian male (laughs) with reddish-brown hair. You're sexualizing characters a little bit, Wikia page. Here's what I wanted to say about Scott McDoon. He's voiced by Diedrich Bader, who I I really like. Diedrich Bader, we might recall, he is also Uncle Evan from a Scooby-Doo Halloween that we reviewed not too long ago. Oh. Uh, Velma's Uncle Evan, I should say. So he's played. He, he's worked his way around the fan. Actually, you know what? Are Velma and Fred related? Maybe. Uh, Definitely not. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Off base on that one. I, I love Diedrich Bader. I think he does great voice work here, and this episode is no exception.
1: It turns out that uh, that this this bag lady that we've been referring to, and and also you know she's like she has like bad posture and and sort of like a a voice that makes it seem like maybe she. I don't know. I. I she she looks and sounds like a homeless person. That was a direction that the show decided to go with. Um, uh, it is. I mean, the one thing they could have done
0: differently, just one thing. I mean, I get the baggy torn up coat. I get the boots. I get all this stuff. Why is she wearing a ratty cut off skirt underneath all of this? How is that sea going where? That's the part that makes her look unequivocally not like a seafarer. It has not harmed
1: her higher uh, ability because it turns out that this is cruise director Wendy Palloy. And she is there to ensure that the, um, the passengers have fun. Mm,
0: I think this might have been the cruise director on David Foster Wallace's cruise. This might have been the reason why. Uh, but she seems to be a real Debbie Downer type. Nevertheless, the gang still sets out on their, their little cruise. And I, I gotta say, Evan, I don't know if you got notes on these, but I am skipping over a heck of a lot of really funny gags as I'm saying this. I think that's partly, be, that's just because *Be cool Scooby-Doo has so many hilarious little one-moment gags that it's too much to cover it all. This is an incredible episode, you guys gotta go listen to it, or go watch it.
1: I, I will hit on two funny things and then we'll we'll proceed. Uh, one is that um, oh, yeah. Fred, and, right Fred and Velma do a lot of back and forth, it's just about Velma's phobia of the water. And so Fred is saying that like, you know, like statistically, like very few people are eaten by sharks. Uh, Velma rebuts, like statistically, people on land are never eaten by sharks. And she says, statistics, you're in my house now, son. You're in my house now, son.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And she's wearing uh, like arm floaties and a neck floatie, as if she went into court trying to fake a neck injury, neck floatie.
1: You know what, I guess that if you don't want to drown, having the flotation device directly around your head is, is pretty reasonable. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. She's also wearing like a very
0: large whistle. Like, that, she, as if she's gonna get stranded out in the water. But apparently she is not interested in going in the water, it's just Fred and Daphne who are gonna be taking the uh, three-hour
1: underwater tour. There is a little bit of a gag, we're gonna keep touching on it as we go forward, we're not gonna spend a lot of time. There's an all-you-can-eat buffet, Scooby and Shaggy find this hilarious. My favorite part
0: about Scooby and Shaggy finding this hilarious is that Shaggy falls on the ground, he's just like pounding the ground, whatever. Scooby, when he finds something unbearably hilarious, scoots his butt around on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Like he has worms. Like he has worms. That's apparently what, when something really tickles him, that's what he needs to do to get it out.
1: Um, The two uh, diving guides are Dahlia and Thorn. Dahlia being a woman, Thorn being a man. Thorn is like, hey, Dahlia, do you really think you should be letting them into the water because, you know, of stuff? And Dahlia's like, it's fine, it's safe. While this goes on, Fred and Daphne are about to go into the water. Velma is eavesdropping on Scott.
0: I love this eavesdropping scene. It's kind of like Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove when he's sneaking around, because Velma keeps running into crewmates, or really servers, and having to sneak around them, but there's so many, the gag really lands.
1: The reason is that because she's on the bottom deck, and um, Scott and Wendy are on the top Mm. deck, so she's listening from below, Uh, But people keep yeah coming her way. She she sneaks past like five in quick succession and then looks ahead and
0: there's like 20 more people Standing in her way on this narrow little walkway. And it's not like they're guests. They're all like crew members. Paying conspicuous attention to her. This episode had me in stitches for so many parts. Although the funniest part is coming up. All I'll say is Claw.
1: So Captain Scott reveals that their whole his whole business because he runs a cruise ship is that he has exclusive access to a particular route that goes around um, something Bay. Do you remember what it was? Bribery Bay.
0: It was a very on the nose name. Yeah. <laughs> also, bribery Bay is how it's spelled
1: in the Wikia. Bribery. B r i b a r y. As if it's a library of briberies. It's kind of like, um, I think in pirate history, there's something called like the Barbary Coast. Oh, the Barbary Coast, I, be- I bet you, is sort of the coast around Barbados. Mmm, that would so, make sense. Right? Anyway, exclusive access to the route, so like, he has to go. Um, Wendy is sort of like a superstitious, kind of like witchy lady, so she's saying that, you know, like, this is a bad place to be, uh, superstition, sea monsters, there's sea monsters, and Scott's like, no, we have to keep, we have to keep treading these specific waters yeah uh,
0: because that's his whole business model is giving people these tours underneath and i don't know how he got exclusive rights but he's not ready to let go of that um and there's also some comparisons being made between scott's boat here and fred's mystery machine kind of to show us how beloved this is to scott and to give us an opportunity to talk mystery machine and that passion of fred's later on so it's
1: personal for scott fred reveals that um, ever since they were children scott has always wanted to own a, his own cruise ship, whereas he always wanted to own the Mystery Machine, uh, to which someone says, you always wanted to own a van? <laughs> and
0: oh, Scott's talking down to Fred is, is well-deserved, I think, given that it's a cruise versus the Mystery Machine, but the Be Cool uh, Scooby-Doo version of the Mystery Machine is by far the coolest. I, I will say that, you know, I'm, I'm citing the top end of the spectrum with the coolest Mystery Machine. I'll go ahead and cite the bottom end of the spectrum, too, with the least cool Mystery Machine. That they're ever the was. red mystery. The machine. red mis. I mean, yeah, we all know it's the red mystery machine, right? I don't
1: think anyone. I don't think anyone's crazy enough to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> There's Vel- Velma. hears that they're talking about sea monsters. She's like, "Oh, um, Fred and Daphne are underwater. They're in danger." She runs off. Shaggy and Scooby see her. They run off. They've since cleared out the buffet
0: i love when they clear out the buffet and the chefs are horrified like they they would genuinely feed scooby and shaggy as much as they can possibly eat they just weren't
1: expecting i this. like that the sh- it's it's like one main chef and i guess two other line cooks like i don't know mm. but they're such like tough guys
0: oh <laughs> yeah they're all i'm the the two tough guys are not only built uh but they have like the bandanas around the head which makes them look a li- even more tough yeah it's it's great it's he and so like seeing seeing them shown up by
1: Scooby and Shaggy's raw appetite. The really chef is works. like the final boss. And um in in like mm. a in like a, a beat 'em up side-scrolling game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: After you you first you beat up the busboys, then the servers, then maybe the host or hostess, then it's got to be the dishwasher line cook boss. Yeah. It's
1: it's two line cooks. So they have the bandanas and they're like the bigger beefier oh, guys. Oh,
0: you're right. And they're like they're sharpening their butcher's knives and stuff like that. They definitely have a lot of tandem moves where one of them will throw the other one at you. (laughs) Uh,
1: Let's see here. So Velma runs up. It's too late. They're already getting out of the water because they have already seen uh, the monster. Turns out that all of this has been causing Captain Scott a lot of stress.
0: When we cut to Captain Scott and see him next, for a moment I was really unsure whether anything had changed about him. Uh, How about you? What was your impression when we next saw Scott?
1: Uh, I I recognized it immediately. Um, he he has a short beard and a squint. And
0: I, I kept looking at him and being like, is that is this new? Was that there before? But the fact that he kept saying "rr" while he was talking really gave it away.
1: I love it in that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's. Just subtle enough that you you're not a hundred percent sure if that's what he looked like when you first saw him.
0: But then in that same scene, after the uh, bag lady pops in and says a word, he has an eye patch on his head and is talking even more piratey.
1: So um, throughout this entire exchange, we find out uh, from Velma Velma's like oh Bribery Bay captains used to go through uh, ships used to go through here, but they kept sinking because of monsters, so they would throw their value possessions overboard, and. Every time we go back and forth to and from Scott, uh, he gets more and more piratey. Yeah, like he has so, a
0: scar on his face. His beard is long and rag- raggedy.
1: Yes, yeah, so. I actually have it here. Uh, so when it starts, it's mm. beard and squint. Pan away, pan back. It's uh, bandana, hat, cane, <laughs> eye patch. Pan away, pan back. Uh, longer beard, scar, few teeth, what? earring, <laughs> and a hook.
0: And the part that makes it best is that until the very last one, it's not stated, There's no, no one says anything about any of it. It's The comedy in the show is impeccable, it's beautiful. I also love that Velma, when she's described, she's given the backstory, here's the legend, uh, it's given in pop-up book form, and uh, I don't know if you know this, Evan, I love pop-up books. You know
1: what? I want to roast you for that. But, but pop-up books are cool? I'll let our listeners, uh, I guess, do it <laughs> <Wow>. for me. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, listeners send us an email I, at scooby no, podcast at gmail.com say, at the end of this episode we're going to ask you to follow
0: up with us on itunes facebook gmail our website on patreon don't do any of that send us just an email just about pop-up books that's priority one people i need to know what you think about this because i think pop-up books are not just like artistically valuable achievements but like they're works of engineering they're feats of engineering Evan, why are you unplugging your microphone <laughs> and putting your your mic stand back in the case that I gave it to you from?
1: Evan, you've you've packed all of your belongings into a bindle. You've uh, you've hoisted it over one shoulder.
0: Evan, you're you're burning your fingertips off over a candle <laughs> to get rid of your fingerprints. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just love the, I love the way that mystery is recounted from Velma. Um, and yeah, basically. All these ships going over this dicey area would throw all their valuables overboard so as to get safe passage. And that's why there's all these valuables here in the, at the bottom. My question is why not take a different route after the first time this happened? Like,
1: I would, if you're trying to ferry valuable goods, this is obviously not the right route for you. I would assume that because back in the day when you were sailing, every um, day every day was, uh, every day was, like, was very valuable. You know, like... They Are did... you saying it was the friends they made along the way that were their <laughs> treasures? <laughs> uh, I was just gonna, like, because it already took months to cross the ocean that mm. it just made, like, we might as well just go through this uh, Skyla and Charybdis route because it's faster.
0: I guess. I mean, if you're making a one-way trip, that makes sense. But if you're a merchant, this is just bad business. Yeah. Like, go all the way around Africa before you go through here,
1: even though I guess we don't know where this is. Uh, I, I do think... Because it's Barb- Barbary Bay, I want to say it's in the Caribbean. and I want to say it's around Barbados. Mm-hmm. Um, Velma does say that the reason this is happening, not that I think I needed a reason, I guess this is does kind of add to the joke that this, the stress has ca- caused Scott to become, and I quote, prematurely grizzled.
0: And I think that's the reason we have the, the street urchin-like... Um, First mate or a cruise experience director because she shows how grizzled Scott's gonna become and kind of demonstrates the end point that he's now rushed to.
1: I think the problem is that she doesn't look like a pirate, she looks like a homeless woman.
0: That's the thing, yeah, she should, she could have looked like a grizzled first mate, but no, they went fully into bag lady who has pigeons for pets. So, uh,
1: we, we respect, yeah, we like the people who made the show, but you know. I think, constructive criticism. That's.
0: I think that's probably the only criticism I can level in an episode that is otherwise grade A. It still gets an A from me, this episode. we This scene is interrupted by the shaking of the cruise ship from side to side. There's some sort of mechanical
1: issue happening. It turns out that there's a problem on the right rear turbine. Uh, so Dahlia and Thorne, they they decide to go together, which makes sense. If there are monsters attacking, you want someone watching your back. So, so uh, they have... Um, Sort of like Jacques Cousteau, kind of like uh, they propel you forward, and there's sort of like a light and a camera on it. Mm. Uh, and Dahlia is taken, and they can all see the, these, this from the captain's room, control panel, whatever. And then Thorn is taken; they're they're spirited away by these sea monsters. Yeah, we
0: get a Blair Witch Project kind of uh, kind of cutaway. I also really, I really like those little fan things. Now that you mention it, those are
1: super cool. So it turns out that Fred has smuggled, and I quote Scott's description, his spooky van aboard the SS Casey.
0: I love calling it the spooky van. (laughs) If nothing else, because it gives Fred the opportunity to be deeply offended
1: every time. I just imagine, um... I just think it'd be so funny if that was what they called their vehicle. The spooky van? So you have Fred being like, My spooky van! My spooky van! Quick, everyone, to the spooky van! (laughs) It's, um... It's a it's a poor man Scooby Doo, I think that's what it is. Uh, shoot, how do we? What would their name? What would his name be? What what's what's a what's a poor man Scooby Doo name? What's a poor man name? Poor man name for Scooby Doo? Yeah. Uh, scaredy dog.
0: Scaredy. D- <laughs> Quick, scaredy dog. Scaredy dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> scaredy dirty dog. Where are y'all? <laughs> Dog. I would watch it, man. I would review it for this podcast. Hey, but Fred has smuggled the Mystery Machine on board for a reason. And uh, Be Cool, Scooby-Doo, the Mystery Machine has far-reaching capabilities. It's more like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang than anything
1: else. You said that there was only one criticism you would level against the show. Can I actually add a mm. second one? Ooh, I... We
0: try and keep ourselves to a one-criticism cap on Be Cool, ben. man. It's true. JCB's a friend, as is, again,
1: his personal assistant, Zach Moncrief. I just so want to say please, that they're not in... I, I think it's good to remind them that they're not infallible that go- if God if these gods can bleed we can <gasps> ki- <laughs> Evan no
0: D- Evan you can't say this about them
1: <laughs> so Fred is saying Kong, the mystery machine a girl like there you go old girl you know like calling her mm. referring to her as a as a female
0: Pretty typical for a seagoing vessel, and how Westerners tend to speak about vehicles in general. Uh,
1: Yeah, ships. Yeah, seafaring vessels. Uh, There's a fun little part where Scoob is under the van, looking at its undercarriage, and the How how can you tell?
0: I missed that! (laughs) (laughs) How did I miss the dirtiest joke in the whole episode? Oh
1: man, that's great! And my criticism, I just realized, will come to completion a little later in the episode, so that's just Uh, something to keep in mind.
0: Are you sure you don't want to come to completion right now, Evan? And why are you, you're now shutting down, I see your laptop lid closing on me. It's closed most of the way, I can just see Evan's feet seem to be shuffling. Now he's burning off his toe prints <laughs> <laughs> for a candle. <laughs> he really wants to disappear. Um, so, this, this mean, is, what's about to come, I gotta say, is my favorite gag I've seen in a long time. Just period, even outside of Scooby-Doo, the
1: claw. So Luke has already uh, compared the spooky van to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, so it stands to reason that um, Fred would turn the Mystery Machine into a submarine, which, which I, I think is cool. I, I do like that kind of thing.
0: I I love it, too. Uh, In one of my other favorite episodes, the Christmas one, we see some uh, airborne qualities that the Mystery Machine might have. So the Mystery Machine goes down underwater. Again, it's like a submarine. It's got uh, floodlights for the bottom. They spot spot something shiny on the bottom of the ocean, and that's unusual because everything should be rusted by this point that was dropped a long time ago.
1: I thought it was interesting that it was Fred who commented that... um... Things are usually tarnished from age. That seems like more of a Velma sort of thing. That's but a good point. I do want to chalk it up to her not wanting to be underwater. She's distracted. This. She's
0: in, like, why, why bring Velma along? She could have guided from up top, but she's in the mystery machine with everyone else right
1: now. You know what, I will say, a missed opportunity, given how much mm. stress Velma is under, I think I would have liked her to maybe become prematurely grizzled.
0: Oh my gosh. Dude, they could have had them both become prematurely grizzled. That was a great gag they could have leaned further into, and I would have been fine with that. I understand why they didn't, but I'm just saying they could have. Be Cool Scooby-Doo, I think, benefits from having no shortage of jokes and gags. I think we could stretch this into an eight-hour-long episode if we wanted to cover everything. So it's hard to fault them for missing an opportunity when they took so many others.
1: You did say that you had. this was your favorite gag right here. Th- they find the shiny thing on the ocean floor. I will, I will leave it to you.
0: The shiny thing happens to be a wrench, presumably used to unscrew the bolts on the left rear <laughs> rudder or whatever on the ship. Fred wants to retrieve this, and so a claw-like uh, arm pops out of the front of the mystery machine, and it kind of hovers over above the, uh, the claw. And then we have, how would you describe this? I mean, it's a claw machine gag.
1: Like like a yeah a claw like an arcade like you would find it in an arcade yeah you know
0: the, where you're trying to grab the teddy bear and the claw like misses by a little bit or it grabs it but then it slips
1: out just a little I think the best um, I guess cultural Toy reference story. would be Toy Story mm, you're
0: right I completely agree um, with the, the claw the claw the claw it has chosen <laughs> here that I for whatever it had me in stitches them trying to grab this this wrench and missing it and it like grabbing just a little bit of sand
1: and then getting the wrench and then it would like hold for a second and then slip back out. The animation is so well done it's so for al- when the claw hits the ocean floor and scrapes a little bit of sand up and the sand like just like falls through.
0: Also, part of what makes it land is the fact that as Fred's trying to do this, the whole rest of the gang is backseat clawing. They're yelling at No, 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 him. do it over here. No, it's gotta be like, this. one you gotta get that. It's works so well. Um, Oh man, what what was my last thought on that? Oh, this is public service announcement. Listen, people, these machines, when you find them at arcades, are programmed to only pay out a certain percentage of times. So it might only pay out one, only one out of a 100 times is it even possible to succeed. Every other time, it's flatly impossible. It's designed not to work. So just keep that in mind when you're doing these machines. I was very scandalized when I found that out.
1: I I will say you you might want to do, what they do in Vegas at uh slot machines? Slot machines, yeah. In oh, that- Scope it out and watch you, you wanna hop onto a slot machine where someone's been sitting for a long time with no luck. Exactly that.
0: Yeah, no, if you watch someone else on a claw machine do it like 20 times in a row and no luck, you might then be able to jump on and win a teddy bear for the low, low price of only like 60 bucks.
1: Yeah, you, so you can, you can game your the odds. <laughs> yeah, you've improved your odds to just terrible so Uh, the first shiny thing was this was this looks like a spanner wrench Ooh,
0: tell me you look that up evan
1: you know what i'm gonna look it up right now to see if i was right
0: were you right are you right (laughs) the fact that you knew that off the top of your head uh yeah it kind of
1: looks like a spanner wrench uh and then and then they see another shiny thing in the distance fred goes to pick it up and they don't go through the entire process again, but the entire gang groans like this is gonna take a while.
0: <laughs> the, my issue is that the second thing was
1: a doubloon,
0: one of the typical like treasures at the bottom of the sea. So they would have it would have been all rusted up by now, right? Like everything else. It's weird that that stood out. That is, huh?
1: Wow. We are the criticisms are
0: piling okay. up. They're piling up. Okay. No, no. It's that. That's a, look. It's not. It's not a criticism or anything. Look,
1: JCB, Zaki boy, my love. No, it's not a criticism. It's a. It's a beautiful episode. It's so obvious where the doubloons lead. These these shiny gold coins, these doubloons, they lead all the way to this little um, this little cave uh, in which there is a stack of gold coins, atop of which is a blue crab. It's Kermit the Hermit. A winning callback for
0: you. Every time you say that, it makes me think of Kermit the Hermit, which is a song Ipty Sam used to sing when she was a kid that she told me about.
1: Episode 32, Kermit the Hermit, that's when we. Well, that's when I last brought it up, yep. and I introduced you to the magical world of Bill Pete.
0: It's a gorgeous-looking uh, children's book, which I really ought to get. It's just not available in pop-up form just yet, so it doesn't interest me. You're the worst. Uh, the doubloons <laughs> lead to a
1: sunken pirate ship.
0: A sunken pirate ship. Now, now this scene is gonna feel very reminiscent of Little
1: Mermaid. Oh, yeah! Mm. I, I knew it reminded me of something, but I couldn't think of what. Um, unlike the Little Mermaid, there are a bunch of skeletons, like like pirate skeletons in here. Oh man, no kidding! People died here! <laughs> yeah, one of them was manacled. Um, that's sad. And that's another sad. one that was less sad, I think it's actually pretty funny, there's a pirate skeleton, and on his shoulder is a little parrot skeleton.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. Oh, like the parrot that eventually jumped on Scott's shoulder.
1: Yes, yeah, was sort of the, uh, the icing on... The cake of his, um, of his premature grizzledness. So, so what happens is Fred crashes. Right? Here's here's where here's where I'm gonna take him to task. Fred crashes, um, and and he's trying to turn the key. And he's like, "Oh, it'll start." And they're like, "Oh, hey, I thought the mystery machine was a girl." And he's like, "Not when I'm annoyed with it." And I'm just like, "Whoa!" What does that mean? Let's you know what? Let's take a minute and really get into this. Yeah, what? let's unpack this.
0: I mean, we we talk about LGBT issues in our very theme song. What does this mean, Fred's varied gendering of this and non-gendering of this this vehicle?
1: Yeah, I don't like the idea that, as far as Fred is concerned, um, this his his vehicle, his mis his mystery machine has <laughs> has value and worth when it is ascribed um, a female gender, but when he's upset with it, he takes that away.
0: Mmm, it's almost like devaluing it to take away its gender. I don't, it's so confusing, yeah. I'm having trouble figuring out who this is mean to. Like.
1: Oh, it's, there are people who don't prescribe to I, a particular I was wondering, gender. is it those so people?
0: Would... Or is it like, is this mean to, is this unf- unreasonably putting the female gender on a pedestal, like this is.
1: Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. But
0: I, I could see it either way and I guess that's my confusion and it's not clear, I mean. We know, uh... And lack thereof? This is getting cut. (laughs) It's It's okay, man. I see see that look in your eye, and I already know I'm cutting it, so just chill.
1: You should just bleep yourself.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, I, I agree, you know, sorry, real quick, if I can say, yeah, yeah. I agree with you, that part didn't super land for me either, partly because it was based on a gag that was really brief earlier on. It was a callback to something that was a
1: little brief. They're, they're in the Mystery Machine. It, 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 whatever, what, however you want to describe it. The Spooky Van. The Spooky Van.
0: Um, <laughs> the Scaredy Dog Gang's in the Spooky Van underwater and they quickly run into the
1: monster or the monster's run in, m- runs mm. into them it starts to attack them it starts to just puncture holes in this van using i don't know like a metal bar or something um and and occasionally just its clawed fist and it and everyone inside starts to don their um their diving suits except for Velma who is
0: and i don't understand why yeah like why wouldn't she at least don her diving suit it's like she she can't ima- she's not willing to mentally go to being outside of the
1: comfort of this little air bubble kind of like as long as she remains in her regular attire it's like she doesn't have to yeah but as soon as she puts on the suit then she's got to go out we we neglect to mention that like the water level within the van is rising
0: that's what fred says you're not going to have a choice in a second but then he has an idea that he thinks will solve it and uh essentially that's getting velma in her diving costume and then tying her to scooby's back
1: which none of them are like when I say none, I mean Velma and Scooby specifically. They are none too thrilled by this. Neither of them like this idea. Um, but Fred cites that Scooby is the
0: strongest swimmer of anyone. Which, over over the course of many episodes, we've gotten a somewhat, we've built a, an, a, a picture of each person's athletic prowess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Shaggy, swingingest gymnast. Scooby, the fastest runner. But Shaggy is also a very fast runner, and now apparently Sha- Scooby's the
1: best swimmer. These are different series, but no, I I do like, I do like when shows build up what people's skills are what their skill sets yeah. are that dif- they they set them apart from the rest of the members of the gang
0: i and i am linking series that aren't explicitly linked in canon can we also say i like to imagine that that dogs are not
1: fast swimmers
0: no they're not that great swimmers i mean dogs are fine swimmers I, I think we've all seen there is the doggy paddle which is perfectly serviceable no one but
1: never like like in the olympics There is not a doggy paddle event.
0: I mean, I'm just imagining a dog underwater doing that kind of whole body wave like a mermaid (laughs) like a seal. Like it just doesn't happen. They don't have the the form for that.
1: Now that I'm saying that, I would pay to see a doggy paddle event.
0: (laughs) I would, you know, I'd pay that would be the one thing I tune into the Olympics for is seeing Michael Phelps doggy paddle. Michael Phelps. Oh my goodness. How fast like, what's the fastest you could doggy paddle? I don't know. I I think we need to see uh M- Michael and Ryan go head to head
1: and uh and and doggy paddle it out uh, on this exact same note I would love to see Usain Bolt in a in speed a speed walking competition. competition
0: heck yes my friend
1: <laughs> though his limbs are so long you think that he would kill it like his legs are so long we interrupt this uh this uh, I was going to say special olympics coverage we we interrupt, we interrupt this, this uh, very spicy take. To bring you back to uh, the gang they are outside of the Mystery Machine. Now there's a chase scene that has an, a great song. It's a, it's a musical chase scene. The song is so good. Probably my favorite thing that Be Cool Scooby-Doo includes, that they
0: could have not included and I wouldn't have really faulted them for it, is the musical chase scenes. They really deliver on this in almost every episode. Maybe every episode? I, I believe it's every episode. <clears> hmm <throat> Not every episode has lyrics. That's the thing I'm thinking of.
1: But there is there's a corridor scene where they sort of use some of the corridors in the pirate ship. Um, mm. They keep popping in and out of different parts of the ship. It's great. There are all these sight gags. Um, I think you could tweak it and say that them being dressed in pirate attire and fencing with the monster is sort of like a scooby Doo, But that's the closest we get. The, the sight gags, they come fast and furious. I really like when the monster's looking for them and they pretend to be like skeletons to the, uh, to oh, the no, side skeletons. of the ship and then uh, the monster looks back and they're gone and also yeah it, he's he's using um, a spyglass and bringing it down one of the masts and there's like flags waving and then it goes further down and it's the gang and they're sort of like undulating their bodies
0: <laughs> I love that, that was great And it almost caps with, there's also a moment where the dolphins show up to bully Daphne or like to deal with their beef with Daphne. But then she's like, not now, deal with you later. And then they bounce. And then we see the O2 tank.
1: Yeah, it's a tank of oxygen. What they do is they use it to um, propel them up to the surface. Uh, Then they're back on the ship. Um, Captain Scott uses his own gigantic claw machine to retrieve the, the spooky van. I didn't
0: realize that's when the gigantic claw was introduced, but that's so neatly done you don't even realize it, and it prepares for the callback later on. Ah, beautiful. Also, kind of tragic how beat to
1: crap the Mystery Machine is there. It is, yeah, it is it is rough. Um, there's a very quick scene where Daphne uh, is queen of the world. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> it took me a moment. Daphne goes up to the front of the uh, boat to settle
1: her beef with the dolphins. Uh, and there's like a sunset, and there are like strains of Celine Dion-esque music playing in the it's background. S-
0: super, super, super Titanic-y. And that, what, what was it that her beef was with the dolphins? Did she like Was it one of those Tarzan things where like she killed a dolphin earlier? I mean, the new
1: Tarzan with the uh, ultra-ripped dude. Uh, Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Yeah, it turns out that Daphne just owed them fifteen bucks.
0: She drops fifteen wet dollars into the ocean, which float to the bottom, and the dolphins don't even seem to appreciate it. They they seem to be like still they mad at her. They glare at her and they yeah.
1: uh, they submerge. And um, she
0: states that like wh- I mean, you never know with
1: dolphins. So now they have a, now the gang has a plan. Fred takes out a blowtorch, and I guess it's like um, kind of like the engineer in Team Fortress 2, or uh, I guess. Corbiorn and Overwatch, in that if you smack something, it just uh, it just yeah. rebuilds itself.
0: I was gonna say the engineer in Battlefront too.
1: Um, oh yeah. Oh. Also, sorry. That is way better because that is an actual blowtorch. So that happens off screen, but it is. I assume that that's what happens.
0: It's clearly effective because the mystery machine is not only roadworthy, but undersea worthy.
1: So down under the sea, uh, the van has uh has gone down in submarine form. One of the monsters... At this point, the monster, yeah. The monster swims up. Uh, and it opens the back of the van. Ooh, now and we there's got no a one in there. Ocean's
0: Eleven kind of moment. Everything but the camera that turns to look at him. <laughs> I, in this moment, I have to say, I expected the Mystery Machine to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked when it did not explode underwater.
1: And then little... um. <laughs> Uh, like, pornography leaflets, like, are burning and they fall. It, 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 this is so an Ocean's <laughs> Eleven reference. Yeah. The monster does not die. In fact, Annette, no. uh, shoots out of the back and captures the monster. And you're like, whoa, That's right. they did it?
0: The, re- the receptionist named Annette shoots out the back and then wrestles the uh, monster to submission.
1: Uh, another callback to the Beach BC. <laughs>
0: it's such a good episode. We have to. Um, but yeah, as it's caught, that's when we realize there's a second identical monster.
1: Yeah, you, it's, I really, really like this, actually, because, um, it's so seamless the way they sort of, like, send, I guess, sort of like a Trojan horse down there, it's like, it's like a ruse, something comes out, it traps the monster, you're like, whoa, they did it! It was
0: so quick, like, literally three seconds to Monster opening the van and getting caught, you're like, that could not have been it, and it wasn't.
1: Even though I had seen this episode prior... Watching mm-hmm. it, I was like, there are like three minutes of episode left. How, how is this possible? And also,
0: when the monster jumps up, the second monster is ready to attack them. I was genuinely, do we have another chase scene now? What happens? And I was very surprised, because I hadn't seen this episode before, that the dolphins came to their rescue. Yeah. And gave like a, a friendly conspiratorial wink to Daphne after chasing off the monster, like, we cool. It's great. It's great when Gags end up playing a role in the episode proper. B-Cool is the the callback king of Scooby-Doo. And what follows is the ultimate callback of this episode. So the gang swims up. And by, by the gang, really quick, Velma is not with the gang. She stayed on the boat for this scene. Because the gang, the gang wasn't in the mystery machine, and Velma's not water friendly.
1: Monster that was in the net releases itself. So now there are two monsters. They're far members of the gang. The two monsters chase the gang up to the surface where Velma is eagerly awaiting with the giant claw machine that Scotty McDoon had ready. Uh, The claw drops, and it just drops into the water. It catches no one. It doesn't even, like, because this is common... If this had taken mid-place in the episode, the gang would have been caught, and the monsters would have gotten away.
0: Mm. Here, it's just that the monsters (laughs) aren't immediately caught. I love the moment when the claw drops, and you aren't sure what happened, but then it cuts to the monster who does, like, the...
1: Tap, this is taps that is my favorite part of the entire episode because that's such a funny gag to me where something happens it could be a it, it's sort of like a gunshot thing where a gun goes off but and then the character yeah pats their body to check and see if they've been hit or i'm, not. I'm gonna say this is an
0: owen wilson from high noon moment where he he realizes he has not been shot
1: um the monster then and, raises its hands
0: and, and, and you <laughs> see all the holes in his wings yes
1: Invincible and, and meanwhile, the other
0: monster is beating the crap out of the mystery machine with a horseshoe tied to a rope. <laughs> I loved those movies, I loved them, oh man, Shanghai um, Noon is a lot of fun, so much fun, even uh uh what, what was it what was the follow up to that one Shanghai nights was it I almost said Shanghai nights, and I was like, no they didn't did they they did and they went to Britain.
1: Uh, dear um, readers, if you want to Photoshop the Shanghai Noon cover with Luke and my faces on Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson's respectively. Please do. Just be clear, I want to
0: be Jackie Chan, (laughs) and Evan should be Owen Wilson. Wow. (laughs) Wow. The claw, just like it did eventually with that spanner wrench, eventually does
1: catch the monsters. They are brought on board, and it turns out, here's the thing. Who could it possibly have been? Oh yeah, do you know, audience? Let's, Let's go down the list. There's Captain Scott, who is in a very advanced stage of premature grizzledness at this point. He has a claw on one hand. He's he's Captain Hook at this
0: point. He's a less well-kept Captain Hook. He's Captain Hook if Captain Hook lived on the streets. We also have his bag lady, uh, Wendy Palloy. Wendy Palloy. Man, why bother naming her, really? (laughs) Um, And, uh, I mean, who's very creepy and who's really bought into the myth. Beyond that, the only other two characters we really have are the two diving instructors. Dahlia and Thorne. Or or the the chefs. Hmm. Mm. The chefs didn't get enough screen time for it to be them, but I would have liked that, at least as a red herring. It's obviously Dahlia and
1: Thorne. Dahlia and Thorne are very good swimmers, or divers. And there's two monsters.
0: Although granted, it could have been Scott and Wendy.
1: But it also was obviously not Scott and Wendy. Yeah
0: the two expert diving instructors who were, well, what was their reason for doing this?
1: Basically, like you said, this is sort of like a nature preserve kind of area in which people are not allowed to, um, there's a word for it, but, but basically like take treasure from the ocean floor. So they, cr- they dressed up as monsters to scare away um, the tourists so that they could be the only ones to take these treasures. And, uh, and I guess
0: that's really all there was to it. Uh, they had damaged that turbine or whatever for the ship. De- definitely not a turbine, but they I damaged the... I do think a... it's a turbine. I do think they call it a turbine. <laughs> 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 so they damaged... Isn't T-Sam there? Yeah. Did you startle her? No, she's in the other room. Uh, maybe I did, I don't know. Um, But so they damaged that so that they could have longer to steal treasure at the bottom of the ocean (laughs) That's what it was they damaged Um, that uh, what's it called turbine much (laughs) and I guess that's that's really all there was to it They just wanted to steal the treasure from the bottom of the ocean That's the whole reason they're working here on this ship and they damaged the turbine so they could have more time Oh and the O2 tank in the ship is what they used to refuel so they could spend more time underwater
1: It's such a load off of Scott's shoulders that he ungrizzles, and that's all well and good except for the fact that his teeth pop back out.
0: I I accept the beard falling out, I accept the the scar re-stitching a la Kylo Ren in the latest Star Wars, I accept everything except the teeth popping back out. It's too gross, it's too much. I mean, I like the way it looked, it was fun. Uh, I did not like the way it looked.
1: (laughs) And Scott, just like that, everything is better for Scott. He's got his shit back. We end with two, with the culmination of two long-running gags. The first one I'll cover, you can take the second one. Okay. Uh, the first one is Scooby and Shaggy, who have been really, I'll, I'll just say it plainly, um, they've been humiliating the, the chefs of this buffet.
0: The chefs do feel, like, ashamed every time that they haven't been able to sate Scooby and Shaggy. And let me just check, the, oh, the chef was Diedrich Bader as well?
1: Mm-hmm. His voice is so
0: deep. His voice, the reason they chose Diedrich Bader for this episode, I think, is because Scott becomes grizzled, and Diedrich Bader covers that whole spectrum very well, and then they double, they just, hey, we've got Diedrich Bader, this is an amazing voice actor, let's use him for the chef as well. His voice
1: is so deep as the chef, he sounds like uh, like an evil Justice League character. Mmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I would be shocked if he's not on the Justice League action series, which has just some of the best voice talent
0: in the game and right
1: now. The point is that he he sees that shaking Scooby air bag uh bring it in boys. And it's um it's great. It, they are like these uh these you know the helicopters with like two uh propellers. Uh oh yeah, yeah like dual rotor helicopters probably not what it's mm-hmm. and and they're carrying like uh like shipping containers. Oh yeah, crates. shipping containers. And all of these crates just have in big block letters food. food. <laughs> uh and Shaggy and Scooby um, are up to the challenge. Yeah. They're not, t- to their credit, they're not cowed in the they're, least.
0: They're neither, like, excited, happy, nor intimidated. They're, like,
1: looking forward to the challenge. This is Usain Bolt before a race. They're like, yeah, let's do this thing. To end things off, Fred asks Daphne uh, if things are good with the dolphins.
0: And she seems to say, like, yeah, they're good with the dolphins. And, and Fred's like, oh, that's great that things are well with Daphne and the creatures of the sea. And then Daphne has this kind of, like, scared, nervous look on her face as she looks around the ocean, and we pan to various enemies of her in the
1: sea. Which I want to say is, like, every, almost every conceivable ocean creature. Like, the sea cucumbers are pissed.
0: more <laughs> were sea cucumbers, that's what it was.
1: Were there? Oh my god. I just, I do not know that for a like fact. Like,
0: it's a little bit of everything. My thought is she looks at the seals as she looks at the giant octopus and smaller fish, and the seagulls and whale, is that if she owes each of them 15 bucks, that's not even a hundo. I mean, when,
1: when they, they zoom out, you see that it, the entire surface of the ocean, almost, has heads popping up out of it. Like, there are narwhals, like, there are seahorses, like, there's, there's a blue whale, I think, was one of them. It's, it's like the opening of a Lion King,
0: except everyone hates uh, Simba. and no one, it's, it's like they're all
1: enemies and they all want a piece. So that's the end of this episode. It's very funny. And you know what? To my knowledge, I don't think Be Cool Scooby-Doo uh, sets out on the high seas again.
0: No. I, man, I hope that they they never really do reference Daphne DuJour's again. Although they did with the puppets. The puppets made a callback.
1: Oh, I, I can't remember. Do you hear my stomach I think growling it through my microphone? I did just there. It's loud, that. right?
0: <laughs> it's super loud. I was like, oh, man, Evan's computer is making grumbling noises now.
1: Uh, which is all to say... I, I really enjoyed recapping this. And we'll probably enjoy the outro, too. Stick around! You know what happens when you're playing freeze tag on a cruise ship and you've tagged everyone? Uh, you're the only one who can move... Yeah, I, I can imagine what happens. DFW didn't cover that in his essay, but I can imagine. When you're playing freeze tag and you've touched every single person on a cruise ship, that is when all pause on deck. Pun master in
0: general. Very well done, Evan. That was All Pause on Deck, Season 1,
1: Episode 3 of Be Cool, Scooby-Doo. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Um, okay, we're just going to run through places that you can find us. Wait, wait, ways in, with which... With which? Ways by which you can interact with us? In which? By which? By way of... Uh, yes, I am a copy editor. I know grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I am a human. I know speech. Listeners. Do you have Facebook? If you do, you should check us out. Scooby Dudes, Facebook.com. Hey, listeners, do you have Twitter? If you like the tweet, uh, then you can find us at Twitter.com slash TheScoobyDudes.
0: I'd like a tweet. Can I have a sweet tweet, Evan?
1: <laughs> what character is this?
0: I'm Widow <laughs> I'm only five years old. And I'd love a tweet. So tweet at us at the Scooby Dudes, the Scooby Dudes.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you didn't start the intro with this. I <laughs> hope you don't end the intro with this. <laughs> Me too, man. I will say uh, that you and I, together, collectively, we've received a number of emails at our e- email address, ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com. And I Sorry, love Sorry, that. that's not right, is it? It's just Scooby Dudes at you're right. You're entirely right, Evan. Podcast
0: at gmail.com is where you can email us and where people have been emailing us and getting some, I'll say it, fantastic responses.
1: Yeah, sometimes it takes us a little while. Sometimes we think that time is of the essence and we get back to them right away. But the fact remains, we respond to every single email. We do. And yet sometimes it takes Evan a little bit of
0: time to force me to write my half of the email. <laughs> So there might be some delays, but we always do, and we love I love getting messages from our listeners. Even ones like the one we got this week that made me furious. Trembling in my it's just ugh, the red mystery machine, you mother...
1: And, and sincerely, we really value feedback. Um tell us what you like. Also feel free to tell us what you don't like. Because we're not. We're no JCB and Zach Moncrief. Yeah, look, I we're I'm a J whereas yeah. they might have four Flaws. We have maybe five or six.
0: Yeah, so we, we might need a little bit of help. Yeah, and in fact, JCB and Zachy Moncrief rely on us to tell them how they can do better, just as we rely on you listeners. So send us those emails at Scooby at gmail.com, tweet it at us at the Dudes, find us on Facebook at Scooby Dudes. It's quite simple. And of course, our website, which you got to check out. Just go dudes. to
1: ScoobyDudes.com. Uh, we I take screenshots, Luke and I both caption them if there are any references on the show that maybe you don't get I do show notes, and I timestamp them so that you can find out and see, oh, so this is what they meant. I try to fill in the gaps. Yeah,
0: doesn't it suck to be too out of the loop and stupid to get most of the stuff that we say? <laughs> hey, so, whoa, whoa, I get it, whoa, listeners. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I get it. It's not easy being dumb, so check out our show notes online. Okay, all right. Uh... Also, check out our website for our original title card art that we do for every recap episode. And when I say we do, really I mean we pay someone else to do. So we're keeping those creative
1: juices flowing through Scooby-Doo by hiring amazing artistic talent. Uh, this artist, her name is uh, Cinsery, um PXNIC.tumblr.com, if you want to check out her stuff. Uh, how do we pay our artists? Where, where do those funds come from?
0: Those funds come from Patreon.com. We have a Patreon account that enables our listeners and our fans to help support this podcast, which costs a pretty penny to run. And frankly, we pay everything out of pocket. Really, the Patreon money just goes to support our artists. But we'd love it if someday we wouldn't have to pay for everything out of pocket. And Patreon could support the podcast
1: in general. So we, um, yeah, we we pay all of our artists. We get that money through Patreon. We, every week, say the names of our patrons, our sponsors, our donors. And we actually have a new one to add this week. Um, This is actually a person who was a little bit too late last time. Oh, that's right. Who do we have to thank anew for this time? Because we do give a special
0: shout out to any new donors. In addition to our standard shout out for existing donors. It is Sarah. Oh, wait,
1: do we have a last name there? Uh, I don't think we're giving out last names for the purposes of... Is this a Sarah? I mean, just for me, I'll cut this. It's not not a Sarah that you know. Okay, not my sister. It's also not a Sarah that I know. It's a Sarah we both don't know. What? But we are getting to know her Uh, through her
0: donations. I'm going to be honest. I don't like this strangers listening to our podcast and giving us money thing. It feels a little creepy. A little like, what? What are you doing, listening to me and Evan? This is a personal thing we do for our family. Wait. So how do you how do you want to amend that? Take back your
1: money, Sarah. Okay. okay. (laughs) This is worse. This is somehow worse than you offending people to the point that they stop donating. This is you just directly telling people to stop donating.
0: I've gotten so much less creative.
1: I'm just telling people to
0: (laughs) to take back their money. Oh, but uh, Sarah, that means the world to us, especially because I don't think we know you personally. No, that means that you must enjoy our podcast, which means the world to us. We'll try and reward you with the various additional pieces of content
1: that we regularly upload to Patreon. Sarah will be getting a bonus audio, which not everybody gets. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm very grateful. And her name joins uh, a bunch of other names. Yeah, other names who, as you said, we mention every
0: single week to voice our appreciation for these people who give us their appreciation every single week.
1: And so... Thank you dearly, truly, belovedly to these patrons. Awesome. The last thing, because I am hungry and you have all heard my stomach growl on the air. Evan, jeez. <laughs> uh, we, we received two five-star reviews on iTunes on February 27th. Again, sometimes the number doesn't change and I don't know what the deal is. I, I don't... iTunes is a mystery. Why they, why, when we get one more, it doesn't add on to the total for some reason? It's confusing to me. We have 14 ratings... We have 12 reviews. This is just on American iTunes. February 27th, we received a review Mm. titled, Love It! Exclamation point. Five stars. Uh, It's from someone named Paige May. Paige? Thank you. Paige said, I've listened for a while now, and I have to say that you dudes have created one of my all-time favorite podcasts. What? You always keep it interesting, and for sure it is always a good laugh. That's... I make sure to make time whenever a new episode drops. Keep up the great work, Scooby-Dudes from a loyal listener who will be listening for as long as you keep creating.
0: Evan, I feel like we do a lot of great work on this podcast, but like
1: so many reviews we get, that's so that's so strong. That's so much. It's so nice. And you know what? I just gotta say it pales in comparison to the next one, if, if, if that makes any what? sense at all. Yeah. What? So this is also February 27th. It was also five stars, obviously. It's from someone named Scooby Saves. <laughs> and the title is, Scooby, don't under any circumstance miss out on this podcast. The... Review says, "I stand behind the red mystery machine." You son, oh mother. Mmm. Oh. <laughs> F- this mother.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're in trouble. Oh my gosh! Look, look. Because I think I know who this is. Because this person sent us an email, and it was a very. I mean, this is a person who's said this to us via pretty much every means available to them to broadcast this message to us. And they're referring to the red mystery machine from, I think, the Scooby and Scrappy Doo show? Nope. Uh, from 13 Ghosts. Oh, that's right, 13 Ghosts. Ah, the most classic mystery machine from the most classic iteration. So do, do you have anything else to say? About but you know that? what? I, I will say, as, as much as I completely disagree with that insane, unjustified, bonkers premise, I really love that this person is passing their opinion on to us, and I love that they're using every means available to them, and we've responded to every single statement we've gotten from this person. I hope other people throw in their opinions on The Best Mystery
1: Machine. So that's it, man. Uh, Those are our only two reviews from uh, The Year of Our Lord 2018, Uh, and we hope to get more. Maybe just not ones that have been edited every month, over and over again. (laughs)
0: Wait, Dad. We said that we're gonna or we're not going to read edited reviews again. Oh shoot. Okay. So maybe this is the last one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, I mean, maybe we will. Maybe we don't have a lot of hard and fast rules here, except that if you write us a five-star review on iTunes, Evan will read it on the air on the podcast. We'll only bleep what we have to, and that'll go to production. Yeah. Uh, and that's. i I'm, I'm really gonna eat. Evan really has to eat. I appreciate you letting me keep you so long, Evan. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to everyone. We love you all. I love you, Evan. Evan loves me. We all agree on all of these things.
1: No.